a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, 25th of April. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's It's been a nice day. Not too hot, not too cold. A little breezy, but not too windy, and we got rain in the forecast in the next couple of days. So it's all good. Well, we were supposed to have an 80% chance of rain here in South Florida, and we have yet to see even one drop. It's been <laughs> well, nice and sunny and real nice all day. That's because the weathermen never do the most simple thing look out the window well you've got that problem where you are they never look out the window where we are they never turn around to see what's behind them on the weather map (laughs) yeah oh okay i've actually had people ask me where exactly is nebraska and and i tell them flat out if you're watching the national weather it's right behind where the weather person is standing that's, you know, sadly, that's true, because I've made a point of trying to notice that, but you're right. You know, I mean, they give you the all the weather on the East Coast, and they give you all the weather on the West Coast, and whatever's behind them, they don't even know it exists. Right, that's, yeah. that's true. Oh, well. I mean, is, is there somebody backing up in your house? What was that? No, that's the microwave. You're hearing... Um, I guess because the room I'm in is large and the other room is like down, you're hearing an echo just from the size. <laughs> Sounds like somebody was backing a truck up in your living room. No, it's just a little microwave. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm looking forward to the day when you can once again do this show from your office. That's not going to happen until my new little kitten Ahmed the terrorist (laughs) yes the terrorist until she's able to coexist peacefully with the other three kitties oh boy (laughs) that's gonna be well has been taken over by cat house and tunnels and a million toys and plush things and leaping things and uh but we, you know, we can't give her free range yet. She's too little. Yeah, yeah, she's still fairly new. 
She's only yeah. like eight weeks old. Yeah. You know, if she matures into a full-grown terrorist, imagine what it's going to be like. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, I'm by just then, saying. Hopefully, by then, hopefully, the others will have accepted her. Well, that would be preferable, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, Diane, tonight you're covering The Presidency is Ours to Lose. And I strongly believe that. I think you're right. Uh, I've got idiots versus the hard, cold truth. There's so many idiots out there. I know. I narrowed it down to a few specific idiots, but if I was going to try and touch base on every idiot out there we'd be on the air non-stop for years that's true you know so you got to draw the line somewhere true you know <laughs> um let's get started with quick hitters tonight because we've got some interesting things uh little tidbits that have been happening in the news some you may be aware of some you may not uh let's start with chuckles schumer uh, setting a vote for adding equal rights, the Equal Rights Amendment, to the Constitution. Well, personally, I am 100% dead set against that for the simple reason you will then have trans rights being part of the Constitution. Well, and, and I, I fully agree with you. Besides, if you look at the... Uh, equal rights uh, bill that was passed, what, back in 1972. Mm -hmm. It's got all the stuff in it, you know, that the Equal Rights Amendment that was written a hundred years ago had in it. Um, this This is just a way, in my mind, to codify having make believe entities or situations be covered in the constitution and to my mind that cheapens and weakens the constitution itself well the one good thing is it would need 38 states to ratify this and i don't believe they have that yeah that would be awfully tough i mean first of all it has to get through congress then it would go to the states and like you said 38 states but i can already see the tactic that's going to be used here, uh, if if you don't vote for this, this, is what the Democrats are going to tell everybody. If you don't vote for this, you're a bigot, a sexist, a misogynist, uh, and, so and a racist. And, so and well, but I mean that's they're going to try and scare people into that. You know, oh well, we don't want to be labeled like that. You know, folks, you got to grow a backbone and, and a pair of cojones and, and just look at this thing and say, nope, this is wrong. Well, you know what? I don't believe there's a person alive that says they don't have a prejudice against someone or something. Everybody is prejudiced or racist, and I'm not talking black and white, you know, racist in general, against something, some group, someone. Nobody's perfect. And to put something like this particular act, the way it's written into the Constitution, in my opinion, would actually destroy the validity of the Constitution. Well, and, and you know, you, you brought up the whole trans thing, and this would include if somebody wants to pretend 
that there's something they're not, and you don't go along with it, then you are violating their constitutional rights. And, and, and also, that's just flat out wrong. And also, this is a way for them to sneak abortion rights in. Absolutely. Absolutely. This that's going to be a huge part of it. Very dangerous thing. The, the Equal Rights Amendment Act, law, whatever you want to call it, leave it as it is. Right. In fact, it probably goes a little overboard, in my opinion. Now, you know, we mentioned the 38 states, and that's going to be a tough hill to climb. Do you think it'll even get through the House? Uh, Not the House as the House is right now. What about the Senate? At least I would hope not. But, you know, we always have those with the why can't we all get along attitude. But they don't understand the ramifications of changing the Constitution, of adding to the Constitution. They don't get it. Well, and, you know, the founders and framers, when, when they put the Constitution together, when they came up with the Bill of Rights, okay, they they had very specific reasons for each article in the Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. and and those were not dictated by social whims and whimsies of the time. Right. This social, would definitely be whim and whimsy. Social issues are not law. Social issues are what people want in society. It doesn't mean that what they want has to be dictated to everyone because everybody has a different idea and a different opinion of what should be socially accepted. You can't just throw in a broad-scale protection act like this because it's not going to suit everyone. In fact, it's actually going to cause more problems. Well, but that's what, you know, the liberals want. They they want to find different ways to divide the nation, and they want to find different ways to manufacture new victims. Right. It's all about victimhood and garnering votes. Yep. This is also a means to garner votes, as if the 1% trans community is really going to sway an election. Yeah, I mean... You know, there's there's a myriad of reasons to vote against this. Uh, Liberals will find every reason to label those who vote against it as some sort of horrible refuse of the human garbage dump. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, I can see it coming. It's pretty obvious. It's uh, pretty transparent. Uh, I don't think it's going to pass. I don't think it can get past Congress, much less get the 38 states needed to ratify an amendment. I don't think it'll even come close to the 38. It'll get your typical northeastern states, you know, California, Washington, Oregon. And I think that's where it ends. Yeah, it'll, it'll garner the deep blue states, and that'll be about it, I think. Right. You know, right. maybe maybe a purple state here or there, or if there are any of those left. But I don't think it's going to have the broad appeal that Schumer's hoping for. Now, I know it's not going to fly in Florida, that's for sure. All right, so I got a question for you. 
is the Supreme Court or is the Supreme Court not going to step into the big AI debate? I don't think they should. Well, this it's my personal opinion. AI has nothing to do with what the Supreme Court should be about. Remember, the Supreme Court was set up to interpret the Constitution. Well, yeah. AI is not part of the Constitution. I understand that, but what they're what they're literally debating has an element to it that could affect AI in that they're they're looking at the bill regarding uh, internet liability. Okay. Right. And right. we all know about algorithms. We've all heard that mm-hmm. term uh, bandied about for the past several years. Well, these algorithms are kind of a precursor to AI and the algorithms, you know, let's let's say you're on Facebook, let's say you go to Google and you search for something that you need for your house. Um, you know, let's say you want a new picnic table for the back patio, right? So mm-hmm. you look up picnic tables and you look at them and everything and yeah, well, okay, maybe later. Well, then you go to Facebook and you get pop-up ads for picnic tables. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I, I get it. But there's nothing in the Constitution that addresses this. Except for maybe the, the First Amendment. And here's how that would work. The AI bots would decide what you get fed in your streams, your social media streams. That's already and, happening now. Uh, I, 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 I understand that. But with, with the advent of more and more AI, things could be targeted more specifically. And what, what the concern is, is that AI would take over that whole process and spoon-feed you only the information that the AI wants you to know. And if that begins to happen, that could that could end up being election interference, and it could be all sorts of things. So when, when they look, when the Supreme Court looks at this Internet liability issue, the offshoot of that is the AI issue that's on the horizon. Okay, come up for air here. That's already happening. It's nothing new. Okay, it's been happening for years. We're already spoon-fed advertisements left and right. We're already spoon-fed all sorts of political campaigns and uh, voting things. Everything that is currently on the table is already on the table. The actual AI that these people are worried about is more futuristic AI than it is making decisions about what you get on the internet because you can turn them off. They're more concerned about things that you cannot turn off. Right. That have the ability to override what the recipient wants. We're not at that technology yet. Not and yet. I don't 
Not yet. And I don't think this is something we need to be worried about now or that the Supreme Court should be involved in now, maybe in the future. But we've got a long way to go before AI really becomes any sort of threat if it ever does. I I understand. But, you know, and that's why I say AI on the horizon. I didn't say now. You know, I said on the horizon. So the the problem is if the, you know when they rule on this internet liability issue which is in the here and now and right. does not yet contain ai per se okay the the ramification of the ruling could affect ai in the future and it's it's going to be a, a tightrope walk for the supremes because the the internet liability issue now is what literally allows social media to censor people. <sighs> you know, it, it protects the, inter- the the social media companies from liability if they censor people. That's more accurate. Okay, but there's ways that astute attorneys can circumnavigate that. Things are not as cut and dry as the media is trying to purport them to be. And that's part of the problem. We're being sort of indoctrinated into thinking that AI is all bad. It's not. No, no, it's not. But it, it does have, you know, if you if you project into the future and you look at some of the things that it's already capable of doing compared to what it might be capable of doing down the road, then, you know, there could be issues. All I'm saying is the the Supreme Court, when they rule on the Internet liability issue that is in the here and now, right. that could have an effect on AI of the future. So it's going to be an interesting way to see how this ruling goes. Well, you can kind of figure out how it's going to go. It's going to go down party line. Yeah. I mean, there... It will come up again as AI advances. And I'm one of them that are, I'm not against AI because I am a futurist. I'm not against AI, but I think there needs to be certain controls on AI, but not by the government. Definitely not by the government. Good Lord. (laughs) I I can't think of more dangerous hands to put something like that into than the government. And I'm not talking about just the current regime. I'm talking about I don't care who controls Congress, and I don't care who controls any government in the world. Governments need to stay the hell out of it. I agree. Um, Hunter Biden has been ordered to court. (laughs) probably not for what everybody's hoping for, but he's been ordered to court. Yeah, over a paternity suit of a four-year-old child that he fathered and will not accept responsibility nor pay for. So he's a deadbeat dad, literally now living in the White House. Yeah, and he thinks that's going to protect him uh, from having to appear before the judge that ordered him to appear in court well it protects him from having somebody come up knock on the door and say here's your subpoena to go to court but it does not protect him from a judge saying get your ass in court 
and it does not protect him from court officers going and picking him up. He thinks it does. Joe thinks it does. Of course, Joe thinks nothing. I mean, right. you know, he doesn't think. Uh, but, I mean, you know, to me, the stunning thing about this is we've got a deadbeat dad trying to hide from the court system by living in the White House. Good Lord. The only place Hunter Biden should be living is in a jail cell. You know, and, and that you know who should I, be his home. You know who I feel sorry for in all of this? The, the four year old kid. Yeah. You know, he yes. had no choice as to who his daddy was. No, none at all. And uh, I believe it's a girl, but I could be wrong. I, yeah, um, I think I think it is. Um, the mother was a stripper, a stripper. that that yeah. Hunter was partying with and probably doing drugs with. That woman should be checked for STDs. Oh, definitely. I I, I think she's smart enough and probably was, but uh, just sleeping with Hunter Biden makes me go, ooh. I know, you know I know. It's just the idea of it. Yeah, just the <laughs> idea of it's just gross. It's if Ugh. Disgusting. Yeah. But yeah, the child is an innocent victim. But what's even worse is the Biden family has shunned their own grandchild. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, you've got the President of the United States, right? Mm-hmm wants nothing to do with his own grandchild. Yeah. And 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 they're trying to dictate to the rest of us how to raise children? Right. To them, family values mean absolutely nothing. They get to pick and choose who they love, who they care about. And because this was a stripper, she doesn't count. And the child was conceived while he was married. So not only is he a deadbeat dad, but he's a cheating bum. Well, would it be better for the Biden family if he'd uh, had a child with his dead brother's former wife? Oh, God. Would would, would that meet the morality standards of the Bidens? Yeah, but what what was his dead brother's wife thinking going with this pig? I, I, I yeah, that's disgusting too. You know, right. I mean, there's a I, lot of disgusting things about this family. Yeah, my question is, you got you got Hunter um, uh, flagrantly ignoring uh, gun ownership laws. You've got Hunter flagrantly doing illegal drugs. Now you know that whole gun thing comes from when he applied for uh, the license for the gun. Mm-hmm. The part of the license says, you know, are are you uh, have you ever been addicted to illegal substances? And he said, "Oh no, no, not me." And and <laughs> at the he same time, he probably still is. To some degree, he probably still is. Am I accusing him? No, I'm just giving my opinion. Yeah, I mean, at the he time, he was as high, he was as high as a kite. When, yeah. when when he lied on that federal form, so that's an issue. You've got tax evasion issues. With right. him, you've got the money laundering issues, the selling 
of his daddy's name for profit issues. I mean, the things go on and on. And what they're hauling him into court for is being a deadbeat dad? Seriously? Well, let's put it this way. He's going to walk on every other charge because you know Garland is not going to bring charges against him. That's, That's probably sadly true. That's the bottom line. But then again, when we were in charge of the White House and who was in what position, nobody brought charges against Hillary or Obama or any of them. That's true. So we're in that respect, we're just as bad as the Democrats. They all talk about, oh, we're going to bring charges. This one is going to fall, blah, blah, blah. This is going to prison. Nothing ever happens. No, no. I mean, it's it's crazy. Uh, it and, and speaking of crazy, <laughs> Biden made what his announcement. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I, mean, I am the king of segues. <laughs> Biden made his announcement. He is running in 2024. And, Diane, you saw it early this morning. I opted not to gag myself that early in the morning, and I watched it on YouTube later. Holy crap, what a bucket of lies. Well, I actually broke in on Fox. I was up that early. What Biden did, this um, announcement was pre-recorded after his disaster of an Ireland trip. And it was absolutely sad and pathetic at the same time to watch. Because what he's doing is fabricating lies as we all expected but his demeanor and his actual visual appearance was pathetic and sad at the same time he mumbled through a lot he you know made claims that we all know are untrue he sounded like an old tired man which he, he is he is an old he tired is. man um and, and when he announced that Kamala Harris, because she's so wonderful, was going to be his running mate again, all I can see in the background holding up the cards was Obama dictating what had to be said. Well, and, and let's point something out for people who didn't see the announcement or haven't seen it yet. It's a videotaped announcement. It's done like a three-minute infomercial. Right. Right. Uh, you hear a lot of voiceover from Biden himself in that mumbling, shuffling, you know, tone. And, and towards the end, he's doing that weird whispering thing again. Right. Um, right. But it's so cut and chopped up that, you know, heavily edited that it's obvious they had to do take after take after take, even on the two or three word sentences to get something that was actually audibly fit to put in a commercial. Well, you know who they claim this was patterned after? The TikTok influencers. Well, which is a real problem right there. Exactly. You know, I mean... But, you know, it, he's, he's saying things that are just patently untrue, you right. know, in it. He, he talks about, you know, how the MAGA Republicans uh, are going to take away everybody's freedoms. Well, he was the one that mandated 
you know, COVID lockdowns and nobody could go to work and nobody could go to school and you couldn't even go outside. You couldn't go to a funeral. You couldn't go to a wedding, you know, and, and it's the, the mega Republicans that are going to take away everybody's freedoms. Yeah. Everybody, every time I think about those mandates, I think about those of us who are unjabbed, unboosted, unmasked, always were, went out, did what we had to do. And none of us are sick. Yeah. You know, um, you know, he, it, 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 this whole thing with Biden, Biden is not setting policy. He's not doing anything except being Obama's third term in office puppet on a string. These are Obama's policies. You know, Biden, in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. You know, Biden, Biden talked in the little three-minute piece about how the mega republicans are banning books never mention things like huck finn and kill a mockingbird that you know liberals wanted to ban uh for decades uh yeah yeah, and the books that that you know uh people like ron DeSantis and states like florida uh are trying to keep out of uh public libraries and school libraries more specifically are books that are horribly age inappropriate to young children Right. You know, so I mean, there's a big difference. They're age inappropriate to anyone with a monicum of common sense. Well, there is that too. You know, (laughs) and so the the whole thing, and the music, the music behind this video was like a dirge. Yes. But that's the whole Biden persona. He stumbles and rambles and like he's in a dirge slow motion. I know. And he is. Um, you know, he left out uh, all the stuff that, you know, he's done that has raised inflation and killed jobs, right. <laughs> yeah, you know. But so. he did speak about he has to finish what he started. What he's trying to finish is Obama's transformation of America. Yeah, well, that's what Obama wants to finish. Now, I guarantee you in the five seconds we have left here in this segment, what Obama was talking about finishing that he started was the half-eaten ice cream cone he was holding on to while he was trying to read the teleprompter. (laughs) Could be. Could be. Or deciding which dot he has to stand on, you know, in his photo op. I mean, it's pathetic. It is. This man will be, what, 82 by the time he was elected? Yeah. Yeah. This is not Ronald Reagan, folks. No, it's this not. Is, you know, no. And the thing that gets me madder than anything is that his wife is pushing this. This is elderly abuse, in my opinion. It's nothing else but that. Folks, we've hit the bottom of the hour. That means we got to take a break, get a couple of station IDs in. 30 minutes from now, I'm talking about idiots versus the hardcore cold truth. But when we come back from the bottom of the hour break, Diane's got it with the presidency is ours to lose. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. 
This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor, getting you through the Tuesday night show. And if you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click that podcast button. We're right there for you. Yes, we will be. All right. Um, Diane, you know, you're looking ahead. You're looking at 2024 and... Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm told, I don't know anything about it really, but I'm told there's an election coming up in 2024. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been re- really quiet. Nobody's really talking about it much. Um, <laughs> but you're looking at that, and you're looking at the big picture, and there's a lot of people, unfortunately, who think that the Republicans are a shoe-in to win big, uh, of course, these were the same people that thought the Republicans were a shoe in to win big in the 2022 midterm exactly. election. So what's really going on here? Okay, well, let's start with this quote. Government's first duty is to protect the people, not run their lives. That was said by President Ronald Reagan back in March 31st of 1981. Now, there are certain indisputable facts that we Republicans and conservatives have to face, whether we like it or not, for 2024 is fast approaching and solutions for unsolved problems and issues have yet to be addressed. Fact, Democrats won in 2022, no matter that we Republicans narrowly took back the House. Fact. Republicans lost the Senate because mostly bad to mediocre candidates were the options we got to choose from. Then when they lost, we blamed the Republican hierarchy for not giving said candidates the monetary aid nor support they needed to win. Fact, certain Republicans and conservatives are unwilling to accept the fact that it's time to move on to the next generation of leaders, what with revenge politics being both a poor reason for running and a worse reason for believing 
that it alone will garner a 2024 win. To put it bluntly, whomever the Democrat presidential candidate finally is, he or she will most likely win the presidency. Our slim hold on the House could well be wiped out, and the Senate stands a good chance of remaining in Democrat control to such a degree that no VP tie-breaking vote is needed. And why this doom and gloom scenario? The answer for me is fivefold. First, some of we Republicans and conservatives, and especially certain already announced candidates, continue to ignore our great Republican President Ronald Reagan's all-important 11th commandment, not to talk ill of fellow Republicans. Second, our voting system in general remains rife with fraud, corruption, and fixed balloting, including but not limited to the constitutional shaming known as early voting, irregularities in regards to absentee and mail-in ballots, pre-programmed and vote-switching tabulating software, and election officials with most decidedly leftist partisan agendas. Third, and probably worst of all, is the fact that in today's America, Voter registration and voter and photo ID is not mandatory in all 50 states when casting one's vote, let alone the sad fact that the dead still get to cast their always party line Democrat vote, whether they were registered Democrats <laughs> when alive or not. And illegals are freely voting in our elections, no matter that our Constitution clearly states that only U.S. citizens can vote. Don't believe me? How about this from our Constitution's 14th Amendment, Section 1, which clearly states that, quote, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jur- jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And Craig, to that I say, Citizens, folks, citizens. It's there in the 14th Amendment for a reason. No mention of illegals at all. You know, you say citizens like it's an important part of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, which it is. Um, you know, without citizens, you, you're not really, you don't really have a country. Um, now, as you move forward through this, you've given us three. Uh, three key issues here, one with very good historical context, uh, Mm -hmm. I might add, with the 14th Amendment. But as you move forward, there is one issue that a lot of people, if they talk about it at all, they talk about it in hushed tones, and most people would rather not talk about it at all. But that's not stopping you. No, it is not at all. And that fourth reason is the veiled threat known as extremist policies, policies that do not play well 
with more than half of all American voters. And to that effect, our current crop of announced candidates seems to care more about garnering garnering the religious far right's votes while not even paying a lip service to the critical and all important independent vote. Voters and votes desperately needed if we are to take back the White House in 2024. Voters who are more middle of the roaders than they are decidedly left or right. And to that effect, extremism is indeed the calling card of the uber-religious right, who continue to deem abortion the number one issue facing America today. And in their keeping abortion at the front and center of this election cycle, they are actually, whether knowingly or not, helping to further fracture the Republican Party by now putting on the back burner issues affecting us all on a daily basis. So here, let's start, in no particular order, with the very true, unabating issues facing America today, as in inflation, coupled with ever-rising gas and food prices, out-of-control government spending, the need for the Second Amendment now more than ever before, crime continuing to run rampant in America's streets, the still ongoing invasion of our southern border, wokeism taking over both common sense and logic, and the farce known as climate change, as in the weather, with its proponents continuing to play us like fools, as the uninformed masses still don't understand that climate and pollution are two totally different things. So while abortion indeed is an important issue, it's not the end-all and be-all to to all things that must get done. In fact, the timing of the Supreme Court's ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade right before last year's midterm election might well have signaled the very foreboding of what we fear most, as in losing the presidency once again. Why so? Simply because when any issue was deemed to border on extremism, which the topic of abortion is tagged as by both the left and even by some on the right, they then have a weapon to use against us for extremist views or something the left, the Democrats, no, the masses nor the independents will accept as the new norm. Simply, if we were smart, we'd leave the entire discourse regarding abortion at the state level which the SCOTUS ruling actually did, and leave it entirely out of the upcoming presidential nomination discourse. After all, with the issue now being thrown back to the states, Craig, there is absolutely no need for our side to discuss it at all, and yet front and center it remains, for many on our side, a prime issue. You know, when you look at these issues, abortion included, along with, you know, a lot of the other actual key issues, um, there's something that most people don't want to get into or they don't want to admit to, especially people on our side, and that's that numbers don't lie. And numbers play a big part in what we're going to see coming up, not only in 2024, but beyond. So explain to us how those numbers work. Okay. Well, sadly, instead of focusing on the aforementioned issue 
at hand. Inflation, the southern border, rising crime numbers, the Second Amendment, to name but a few. We know well that everything will surely get worse before even possibly starting to get better. And why? Because the Democrats still outnumber Republicans, and it's numbers that determine who is the winner and who is the loser of any given election. And for this fact alone, numbers become reason number five as to why we still could lose the presidency in 2024, especially if our side loses the independent vote. But before I get into those numbers, there's an issue no one saw coming, as in Fox News recently settling their lawsuit with Dominion and admitting that some of their on-air personalities lied about the 2020 election being stolen, which could well be a lie in and of itself, and now has many of us wondering if the media can ever again be trusted when reporting on election results. And to that I say emphatically no. After all, almost a third of all Americans, me included, still believe the 2020 election was stolen. For the simple fact is, how could a man who rarely left his basement hideaway beat a man who drew hundreds of thousands to his campaign rallies, even at the height of the COVID pandemic? Simply in my opinion, he surely could not. That is, unless election interference took place in the guise of tabulation, fixing, voting irregularities, and highly questionable mail-in ballots being both delivered and counted in the middle of the night. No, folks, I stand strong in my belief that the basement dweller did not win, fairly anyway. Yet the new station we and our candidate of choice counted on to at least play fair now admitted to having sold us all out. One now has to wonder just what does, let's say George Soros or one of his ilk, have on Fox News to turn a once trusted station into a pariah at best. And Craig, it's a pariah who could again be part and party to erroneously delivering election results. Well, I think that's definitely a valid point to make and a valid question to ask. But when when this all started, and by this, I mean your op-ed, you talked about five, count them five, (laughs) reasons why, uh, you know, we could be in trouble. Uh, And by my count, not using Common Core, I've (laughs) heard four. So what's what's the fifth? Are we ever going to get to it? Well, I touched upon it. But now I'm going back to reason number five, as in numbers. For in reality, nothing else matters. Simply, our numbers must be strong. No fence sitting allowed. For we then must all unite behind whomever the Republican nominee is. No spoilers running, third party allowed. And if said nominee is President Donald J. Trump, The never-Trumpers must stop their game-playing and unite behind him as well, for no one could be worse than what we now have. And while we all know that Trump comes with much baggage, even the naysayers among us must admit that life was better, our country was better, when he was president. And if Florida Governor Ron DeSantis does indeed run and garners the nomination, the only Trumpers best get on board for the same reason, 
as must the independents, who hopefully do understand the true ramification of their much-needed vote, especially after the sad to mediocre Republican showing in last year's midterm election. Bottom line, five key reasons remain as to why we might not retake the White House in 2024. Animosity within our own party, a tabulating system still not to be trusted, the bought and paid for illegal vote, unyielding extremist policies that allow the true issues to become lost in the shuffle, and numbers that we can do little about if loyalties are allowed to trump reality. And that really, to me anyway, is that maybe the time has come for the next generation of leaders to take over, which means that those who are now seeking or might seek the Republican nomination for president must put country first before all else and think long and hard about the position they strive for, for it's a heavy burden to carry, and not all are now equipped to carry it. Baggage notwithstanding, case closed. I think those are actually five really good, strong points that people need to be aware of. And, <clears throat> folks, you can you can get Diane's op-ed, The Presidency is Ours to Lose, by either going to her blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or going to the Right Side Patriots website, rspradio1.com. You can get the link either place. And this is one of those that you're going to want to hang on to because as we get closer to 2024, you're going to see how these things, these five items that Diane puts in this op-ed are coming into play. And, you know, we're only a year and a half from the election. We're only Mm -hmm. about six months out from the campaign really, really ramping up into high gear. And as it ramps up, you're going to see this. And in fact, if you watched Joe Biden's I'm running in 2024, uh, you know, mess that he put out on videotape this morning, you will already see how these things are playing into it. He's got abortion in there. He's got January 6th in there, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just going to continue. And, you know, Diane's right. You know, the Republicans running for office need to focus on the real issues. Yes. And abortion is an issue. No one's saying it's not an issue, but it cannot be the main issue. Abortion does not face all Americans on a daily basis. But the economy, our safety our Second Amendment rights do. And we need to focus on those issues. Right. <clears throat> you know, and, and, and we're just not doing it. The, in, in fact, the religious far right keeps pushing abortion ahead of everything. They have to step back and understand it is left up to the states. It always should have been, been at the state's level. Well, but it, you know, I'll even go further. In my opinion, it should have always been an, a woman's issue between her conscience, her God, and her doctor. Right. You know, we should never have gotten involved in reproductive rights to begin with. 
Well, I mean, it it used to be a state's issue, and then it became a federal issue with Roe v. Wade, you know, and... What what the religious far right, the those that I call the holier than thou's, what they've got to understand here, and they got to come to grips with this. They won the battle. They they won the war when Roe was overturned a year ago. They won. So quit right. litigating what you've already won. Move on. Right, because by you keep harping on it, you are making that the only issue that we need to focus on and it's not and that gives democrats ammunition to use against us exactly. and the other thing certain candidates need to stop attacking each other that is yeah. you know Ronald there's- reagan's 11th commandment but in this day and age it's more important than ever because you are fracturing an already fractured party even more. You know, the the Democrat Party has come out and said they're not going to do debates going into the primary, which okay. is, you know, they, they can they can say that. Okay. Right. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has already called for debating Joe Biden. He won't do it because Biden, you know, can't debate. He's not mentally capable uh, right. of a debate, and that's why the Democrat Party doesn't want Even if debates. he had the questions beforehand and had a teleprompter in front of him, he can't even present what's given to him. Right. Now, on the Republican side, there's going to be healthy debates. Yes. Okay, there's going to be a lot of debates. Whether or not they're healthy is yet to be seen. A healthy debate will focus only on the key issues, the real right. issues. You know, how you, how are you going to fix the economy? How are you going to fix our military? How are you going to fix the border? How are you going to fix our standing on the world stage? How are you going to protect all Americans when you got Soros DAs in blue states and blue cities turning criminals loose onto the streets of those cities and states? You know, when... when if the Republicans can stick to the key issues and not go out in the weeds and start attacking each other on the debate stage, America, not just the Republican Party, but America is going to hear substantial, honest policy debates that have substance to them that will, like Diane says, have an effect on all Americans every single day. And that's what this election has to be about. Let the Democrats not debate. Let them be silent. Let them ignore the real issues. But if our side chooses to go on attack mode against each other on that debate stage, then we've lost. We've lost. No more name calling. No more silly nicknames. No more any of that. All the candidates, and we have some good candidates that we, are we, running. We do, and and you know, uh, you you look at the the list of Republican uh, candidates, the people that have already uh, thrown their hat in the ring, and the people who are probably just about to throw their hats in the ring. Right, it, it's a good crop of candidates. Now, do I agree with all of them on? No, you know, issue by issue? Of course not. Do I think all of them have the wherewithal to actually sit in that Oval Office and be the leader of the free world? No. But let's let's take a guy that's already declared 
who's you know he's getting uh, FaceTime and airtime uh, on Fox News quite a bit. Uh, he even got some face and airtime over on CNN a while back. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, right? Okay, right. Now I like Vivek Ramaswamy. I think he's a good man. I think he's got some good ideas. Do I think he's actually capable of being the leader of the free world at this point? Probably not. But do I think he would make somebody a brilliant cabinet member in a key position? Yes, Yes, probably so. Yes. And, you know, for those people that say, well, certain candidates don't have foreign policy experience, well, let's just say it's candidate X that get that gets the nomination but has no foreign policy experience. In my opinion, the person you should tap as your VP is Nikki Haley because no one has more foreign policy experience than she does as UN ambassador because she stood up to those Muslim representatives who try to knock her and our country down because she was a woman. Well, you've got to look beyond your your political prejudices and what you've been indoctrinating, indoctrinated into believing and take these candidates. Every one of them has something good to offer. You know, Diana and I both have had our nicknames over the years for the United Nations. Diane, what is it you always call them? Useless nations. The useless nations. I have always referred to them as the United Nations of thugs, despots, and thieves. Okay? And mm-hmm. w- when when you look at what Nikki Haley was able to accomplish in the den of thugs and thieves and despots, it's astounding. What, yes, what she is. did, you know, yes, and the fact is. that she was able to stand up to them and not budge one inch is uh, a, a highly redeemable quality. And if she yes. was the vice president, you would have no qualms in having her do some very high level negotiations with the leaders of other countries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And. and there were so many out of this crop. There's really no bad person. Not yet, but I mean, we don't know everybody that's getting right. in. But what we have in so far, I mean, I was a little sad that Mike Pompeo decided not to run. But that doesn't mean he can't be a VP choice or a Secretary of State or anything. We've got good Republican candidates now, good Republican leaders that we need to draw on instead of keeping and fracturing our party more and more. Well, you know, you bring up Mike Pompeo and, you know, if you look at the situation we're in right now under Anthony Blinken. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Mike Pompeo is a much better choice to put back into the Secretary of State's office than he would be to be putting in the Oval Office right now because you need somebody with that Secretary of State experience that's been there, done that, you know, and maybe that weighed into Pompeo's thinking. Maybe, you know, maybe rather than running for president, 
I should just focus on what I'm really, really, really good at and, and what I know I can do really, really quickly and really, really well. And hopefully whoever, you know, gets the nomination and gets elected, you know, I can be back in the Secretary of State's office and write that ship. I think that was his line of thinking personally. I also think that Nikki Haley, in a roundabout way, is not really running for president, but for vice president. And I would support her 100%. And I don't want to hear this crap, oh, this one's establishment, that one's establishment, whatever. Because, you know, the people that think, oh, all establishment is bad and all total conservatives are good, you really have got it wrong. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different facets to this. You can't, you know, we can't have time to run through them all on on this show. And, and, you know, for that matter, we've hit the top of the hour, which means we got to take a break. But, folks, I can't encourage you enough. Go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or go to rspradio1.com. Grab the link and share it everywhere to Diane's op-ed this week, The Presidency is Ours to Lose. Mm-hmm. It's important. Let's take that top-of-the-hour break, Diane. And when we come back, I'm talking about idiots versus the cold, hard truth. There's more on Right Site Patriots. After this. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry getting you through a Tuesday night show. If you miss any part of it, go to RSPRadio1.com tomorrow morning. 
hit that podcast button, and listen to your heart's content. Okay, Diane, so I thought this week I would take on a topic that's probably going to probably going to result in me taking some flack. I would think so. Uh, from our side, much, much, you know, and, and probably even more uh, from the left side of the aisle. But, um, you know, there, there are certain things that have been in the news that I, I just, initially I want to shrug my shoulders, you know, and just go, okay, next. But, you know, the more you hear about these things and the more some of these things appear in the news, the more and more concerned I get that people are missing the actual point that they should be focused on. Right. So I put together a commentary, Idiots versus the Hard Cold Truth. 13-year-old Jacob Stevens of Greenfield, Ohio, took a TikTok challenge and lost. The challenge entailed consuming 12 to 14 Benadryl tablets more than six times the recommended dosage. The challenge was supposed to create hallucinations, and 13-year-old Jacob Stevens' buddies filmed him taking the challenge and the massive dosage of Benadryl. The kid began to have seizures and collapsed. His buddies got scared and left him on the floor. Jacob Stevens was taken to a local hospital where he showed no signs of brain activity and, six days later, his family took him off of life support. Jacob Stevens was buried last week. It was national news. A GoFundMe page was set up to assist with the expenses. And there's always one thing that runs through my mind when something like this happens. And to be clear, it seemingly happens more and more often. The one thing that runs through my mind? So what? I'm supposed to feel sorry for this kid? I'm supposed to feel empathy for the kid's family? Why exactly? It seems to me there wasn't a whole lot of brain activity going on in that kid's head before the TikTok challenge, but this sort of thing always results in compulsory finger-pointing. It was TikTok's fault, ban TikTok. It was the fault of social media as a whole, ban social media. Are we now supposed to ban Benadryl too? Here's a legit question. What about the kid's parents? Jacob's grandmother... 75-year-old Diana Stevens said, and I quote, We tried to tell him to stay off TikTok. We didn't want him on TikTok. There's things on there that are good, but there's also things on there that are bad, unquote. Oh, you and the adults in the family tried to tell him to stay off TikTok? You tried? Did you ever try to teach the kid that taking 12 to 14 of any medication was both but stupid and dangerous? Did you or any adults in the family ever try to teach the kid that just because one idiot jumps off of a bridge, it doesn't mean the rest of the idiots should do it too? Diane, at that point, the grandmother said something staggering. She said, quote, I think Jacob kind of thought the Benadryl wasn't going to hurt him. He had done it before, unquote. Gee, here you have a grandmother 
who knew her grandson was fooling around with medication before and still had the medication in the house. The parents were not informed by the grandmother of what the son had done. Well, you know, you might as well add the grandmother to your list of idiots as well. Well, and I kind of have. You know, to the grandmother, I say, lady, you are 75 years old, and his parents are probably in their 40s. You knew that he had done it before. You knew that he had taken the TikTok challenge before, that he had swallowed maybe a dozen or more Benadryl capsules all at once before, and you didn't see that as a teachable moment. You didn't take the kid's phone away from him because that's what he was watching TikTok on. You didn't punish him or drill into his head that such bone-crushing stupidity could potentially kill him. Justin Stevens, the father, now wants people to see the photo of his son in the hospital lying in a bed hooked up to machines showing what an online challenge did to him. That's just more finger-pointing as far as I'm concerned. And it's not that I'm cold or uncaring. It's just that I'm being honest. Being brutally honest is, I believe, the only way to get through to people in a case such as this. And it wasn't what an online challenge did to Justin Stevens' son. It was what his son did to himself. And don't even start with the platitudes, which Justin Stevens has already done, saying his son was a well-mannered, funny, loving kid. He played football for Greenfield schools, and he could always make him smile, because we all know now that on a larger scale, none of that really mattered. Because when you combine all of that, it comes up short. The kid was still an idiot. Yes, the challenge, if that's what you want to call it, does exist online, but the mere existence of it didn't make the kid try to beat the odds any more than a gun fires itself. Only Jacob Stevens was responsible for his actions. Far too often we see stories like this one, and far too often we hear about body bags filled with people who died of fentanyl overdoses. There is no fentanyl social media challenge, and while most who die from it aren't even taking that particular opioid or more accurately synthetic opioid as a standalone drug, Diane, they're taking it mixed in with something else, and the finger pointing is useless. China, Mexico, the drug cartels, sure, they all have a role in it, as does the wide open border thanks to Joe Biden, but who is really ultimately responsible well to go along with what you feel about this kid i'm going to say i really don't care about anyone who dies of a fentanyl overdose because for years it's been known that fentanyl an illegal drug is being mixed with street drugs and yet the idiots as you call them still continue to take street drugs, buy street drugs from people they don't even know. And then we're supposed to feel sorry for them mm. when their habit forces them to take God only knows what and die. I don't feel sorry for them. I'm sorry. I just don't. I, I don't either. 
Look, China manufactures the fentanyl. Mexico and their drug cartels move it across the border, or they cut it into other drugs. That's true. But people who are buying drugs off the street for a cheap and quick high are ultimately responsible for their own actions. Nobody else. We're talking about drug addicts. People who, in most cases, have no idea what they're ingesting or shooting or smoking, and they don't really care. Many are mentally ill, and a good deal of that could well have been the ramification of doing way too many drugs for way too much of their lives. Am I supposed to feel sorry and shed tears for them? Am I supposed to get behind some government program, welfare system, that comes at the expense of our taxpayer dollars to save them? Portland, Oregon, has set into place places where addicts can get clean needles and other drug paraphernalia as though that's going to solve the problem. Really? Drug-addicted, mentally ill people running the risk of getting an infection while they're shooting poison into their veins, that's the problem? 100,000 idiots dying of fentanyl overdoses in our country isn't a government problem on any level of government. Sure, close the border and go to war against the cartels, but ultimately, what we have is not a drug problem. It's an idiot problem. We just have too many idiots. Look around. The idiots are everywhere. And they're not just kids. We have DAs who have gone soft on crime, actually encouraging criminal behavior by not holding people responsible for their own actions. We have full-grown men dressing up as women and demanding that they be allowed to read stories to kids in schools and libraries while teachers try to normalize and mainstream such behavior. We have kids being transitioned from one gender to another by school administrators while hiding it from the parents of those children. We see those who feel entitled to what other people earn demanding a living wage for an entry-level job. When they can't get something for nothing, they start stealing whatever they want because there's no ramifications for doing so. The one thing all of these people have in common with dead drug addicts and dead social media challenge takers is that they are idiots. And now we have adult idiots indoctrinating a whole new, younger generation of idiots. While I do not begrudge those who rely on medical marijuana to manage pain from medical procedures or related complications, societally, we have become so dumbed down that medical marijuana is now made into gummies, a fruit-flavored childlike candy marketed to adult idiots. So, Diane, the question becomes, what are the root causes of dumbing down? Well, the root causes are dumbing, of dumbing down start with the whole concept, in my opinion, of Hillary Clinton's nonsense that it takes a village to raise a child. I think we have bred a generation of so-called idiots because the parents stepped back and were not involved with their children. 
the public schools became their daycare centers, their babysitters. A lot of this that we're seeing now does lie with the fault of parents. And I'm sorry to say it. It really does. You're absolutely right. And, you know, when I when I think of Hillary's inane statement, it takes a village to raise a child, I can't help thinking it takes a village of idiots yeah. to, to raise a child. Look, there are many, uh, you know, uh, reasons for the dumbing down. Um, mm-hmm. engagement over substance is one of the primary contributors to the manufacturing of idiots. Far too many users of TikTok and other social media are seeking engagement or followers based on doing idiotic things in order to appeal to other like-minded idiots. The appeal to emotion is yet another factor in the agenda of dumbing down our society in that such appeals completely neglect any comparison of risk regarding actions and the simple fact that all actions or inactions come with risk. Groupthink is another contributor to dumbing down and has become so pervasive that idiots will now believe anything as long as they can find some somebody else dumb enough to believe it too. And then there's nudge theory which is the idea that subtle suggestions, choices, and positive reinforcement often achieve more influence and better results than do commands, rules, and punishment. A prime example of the abject failure of nudge theory, for the sake of this commentary, would be Jacob Stevenson's grandmother saying, we tried to tell him to stay off TikTok, We didn't want him on TikTok. There are things on there that are good, and there are things on there that are bad, unquote. Perhaps one of the hardest things to do is to convince an idiot that they're being an idiot. Because as a society, we've become far too politically correct and concerned with offending the idiots or others on their behalf. No parent wants to be told that their child is an idiot, and I'm sure Jacob Stevens' parents don't appreciate hearing about their son, who Darwined himself out of existence, and it's too late to correct the affliction, but imagine the different outcome had they flat out told their son he was being an idiot after the first time he tried the TikTok challenge. Imagine how things for that family would be different today had their son told his friends that they were being idiots. Now, I'm sure there will be those who believe I'm being too harsh, too insensitive, and or too offensive in this commentary, but ask yourselves, where soft-peddling things, being sensitive and inoffensive, have gotten our society over the past several decades? Is society better off for not being blunt and honest? Mark Twain once said, never argue with an idiot. They will only bring you down to their level and beat you with experience. In closing, I'll say this as simply as I can so that even the idiots among us might understand it. Our society and our country would be far, far better off today if we would just quit allowing the inmates to run the asylum. That is the bottom line. 
And that is a great and truthful bottom line. You know, you you look around and people with common sense are just sitting around being quiet because, oh, they don't want to upset anybody. Meanwhile, the the inmates are running the asylum, producing more and more idiots, which people with common sense then have to deal with. Well, you know why? Because it's not politically correct to criticize. Sometimes criticism is the most important thing that could be given to someone. Well, and, and that's why, you know, when I sat down to write this, I thought, you know, yeah, this, this kid, this 13-year-old kid from Ohio, this Jacob Stevens, it's a sad story, you know. But am I supposed to shed tears over this? Am I supposed to wring my hands and, and form crocodile tears and demand that somebody do something? No. You know, no. this this kid, 13 years old, look, you know, uh, he's got more information in the palm of his hand, had uh, more information in the palm of his hand because he had a cell phone than I did at 13. And when I was 13, I knew enough not to take 14 medication tablets all at the same time. Exactly. I mean, where was his brain at the time that the friends, you notice the friends didn't do it. They pushed a gullible, wanting to be accepted child into doing what he did. Yeah, It was of his own free will, but he was pushed by those too cowardly to do what they wanted him to do. They wanted to get their jollies off on him taking this challenge, but remain safe in the same time. Yeah, you can almost hear him. You know, you know, hey, you know, uh, Jacob, you do this. You take this challenge. You swallow these pills. We'll videotape it. We'll put it on the internet on TikTok, and it'll go viral, and you'll be famous, dude. Exactly. You know, now what I didn't put in here and and probably could have, maybe should have, the fact that he took this TikTok challenge in his own home. Yeah. And the grandmother was there. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> the the kid takes the, the Benadryl. He goes into seizures. He passes out. His buddies get scared. They take off running. They leave the house. The grandmother finds him on the floor, calls 911. Kid's dead. You know, yeah. it's not Benadryl's fault. It's not even no. TikTok's fault. It's not, not his friend's fault. It's Well, it's, in a way, his I, no. death is not TikTok's fault. But TikTok has to realize that these kind of challenges are dangerous. There are people stupid enough to do what he did exactly Idiots. and to encourage this kind of behavior really should not be allowed i mean as bad as facebook is they would never allow something like this on it that that's true and even tiktok has rules against this but yet these things still pop up on tiktok remember a couple of years ago kids this guy's age we're swallowing Tide Pods. Oh, God, yes. How stupid. Yes. Okay. I mean, you know, that Tide Pod challenge, that ran its course. Now we're on to the Benadryl challenge. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
the 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 sad fact of the matter is if we had and <clears throat> you have to listen to this and you have to think about it maybe for a second to let it sink in but if we had more kids like Jacob Stevens in this country eventually we'd have less kids like Jacob Stevens in this country because the idiots darwin themselves out of existence yeah it, and it's sad and you know you you feel bad that a parent lost their child but then where was the parent to teach them once they reached a certain age you know you're going to be pushed to take drugs and do this and that you need to understand what you're getting involved in so you do not get involved in it where were his parents and why was the grandmother so delusional that she didn't tell the parents, listen, we've got to take away his phone. We've got to do this, this, and this because he's already done certain things that are just not right. You know, when, this was when, a total failure on the parents' part as well. When when you come out as the grandmother did, and you say we tried to tell him to stay off TikTok, you tried, you tried, take away the phone. You? You tried to tell him. When, when you say you tried to tell him, that, that means you didn't actually tell him. You tried to, but you failed. You didn't tell him. Right. You know, that's what I get out of that. Um, yeah. It's you know, sad. It, it's sad. And, you know, we see too many of these stories. You know, we hear about the fentanyl overdoses. We hear about, you know, different drug overdoses. and you know, But when you get right down to it, when you boil it right down, whether it's Jacob Stevens or 100,000 fentanyl overdoses, these are people who had made some really piss-poor decisions. Yeah. You know, because when you take illegal drugs, when you buy drugs on a street corner and you start taking them and you don't even know what's in them or you don't know what they are and you don't care, or whether you take a TikTok challenge and swallow 14 Benadryl all at the same time, you're making a really, really bad choice, and chances are it's going to be the last choice you ever make. Yeah, and again, the fentanyl thing, we have known for years. It's been out there all over. Don't take things you buy on the streets. You don't know what's in them. Most are laced with fentanyl or other very serious death-causing drugs, and yet these people do it. You know, they just and do it. There are people out there who go buy drugs. Uh, they're they're quote unquote prescription medication. You know, I and I I knew people that used to do this when I lived uh, in Arizona. There were people that would cross the border into Nogales, Mexico, because Nogales, Mexico had a pharmacy, and you could get prescription drugs there for half the price that you would get them for in the U.S. And so people right. would go across the border every month, get a month's worth of their prescription medications. But you know what? You don't even know what's in that because are you really exactly. going to trust a pharmacy in a border town no. where where the drug cartels hold sway over everything that happens? Really? No. You know, That's so where even, common sense is totally negated out. By saving a couple bucks. You know, I, I mean, I understand it. You know, people are having a hard time making ends meet. And and some people literally cannot afford 
their prescription drugs, but there are ways that that you can find to deal with that situation without buying prescription drugs from a questionable source. Exactly. You know, because if you make that decision, if you if you buy your prescription drugs because you can't afford to go to CVS or Walgreens or your neighborhood pharmacy, if you buy them from a questionable source on the street and they happen to be laced with fentanyl and you die because of it, it's not because you got bad drugs. It's because you made bad choices. Very bad choices. The, these kind of deaths are actually... They're a form of suicide. It's like yeah. you're playing Russian roulette with your life. Every time you take a stupid challenge, every time you put a street drug in your body, you're playing Russian roulette because you don't know, is it loaded to kill this time? Or am I, I going to lock, lock out and just get high? Right. You I just mean, don't know. And, and, you know, if you look at, the the 100,000 plus fentanyl deaths in in a given year how many of yeah. those people are mentally challenged drug addicts they don't even care what they're taking they're only mentally challenged because the drugs have eaten away at their brain you know i mean it's it's a it's a bad situation but it only gets worse if we get politically correct and boo-hoo about all these people that have right. managed to take themselves out of the gene pool. Right. They should, um, the families of these victims should set their children up as being a model of what not to do. We failed. Don't fail like we as parents failed. I would have a lot more respect for the parents if they came out and did that. Yeah, of course. I would. I would. Folks, you can get this commentary in two places. You can go to the nationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. Either place, you can get the commentary under the title Idiots versus the Cold Hard Truth. And I hope you share it. I hope you pass it around. I think more people need to understand that, you know, we're, we're not solving the problem by being overly empathetic. We're making the problem worse by not being yes. bluntly honest. Yes, that's true. Diane, with that, you and I have run out of time for tonight. And I might add that if you want to save time, folks, go to rspradio1.com. You can get Diane's link and my link both right there on the homepage. Yes, and with that, we'll say nighty-night. For me, it's kitty time. <laughs> Diane's going to go deal with the terrorist that's living yes. in her office. Yes. Folks, have yourselves a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you again on Friday. Bye-bye. <laughs>